Welcome to Let's Talk Learning Disabilities with Lori Peterson and Abby Weinstein. Lori and Abby spend their days talking about dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, and ADHD. They talk to parents of struggling students and adults who have had a lifetime of academic challenges. They want to share those stories along with their own insights with you. So, let's talk learning disabilities. everybody, this is Lori. And this is Abby. Welcome to episode 68 of Let's Talk Learning Disabilities. Um, so this week we are going to do something a little bit different. Um, we realize that everybody has just wrapped up their school year and you're looking forward to an amazing summer, but we feel like it's never too early to start planning for next fall. So right. Abby, tell them what we're going to do. We are going to review over important things to have in place, important people to contact, things that you need to do in preparation for your child going back to school or your college student going off to college, um, for individuals with learning disabilities either that already have an IEP in place under special education or a 504 plan. So, you know, whether you're transitioning from elementary to middle school, middle school to high school, high school to college, it is really important to think about reviewing your child's IEP or 504 plan thinking about what their present levels of abilities are and what skills and and things have changed over the last year and making sure teachers, um, educators, professors, disability services offices and in colleges and universities all have the appropriate paperwork they need to make sure a plan is in place for your child to start the school year off with them already being set up for success the day they step foot on campus in the fall. We wanna make sure that you have your ducks in a row. And so we wanna give you the summer to think about these things um, and take any of the steps necessary to make sure that you've got all of your paperwork, like Abby was saying, if you need to update an evaluation, This gives you the summer to really think about it. So we are actually going to reach way back into the vault of our episodes. We actually did an entire episode on back to school, um, back at the beginning of our podcasting journey. Mm -hmm. And we thought it would be really great to share that with you guys now. So please sit back, enjoy your summer drink, and hopefully you're sitting by a pool and listen to our episode on back to school. And let us know again, as always, if you have questions, concerns, or topics you would like us to discuss um, in future episodes, feel free to email us at letstalklearningdisabilities at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Hello, and welcome to episode number 19 of Let's Talk Learning Disabilities. This is Lori. And this is Abby. And we are excited that you're here today. We are recording this a little bit early, but we are going to hopefully release this just in time for Back to School. school. Some people find that time very exciting. Others find it a little stressful and overwhelming. There's already school supplies out in stores. Seriously, this is like, we just got through the 4th of July, so. Exactly. But anyway. They're pressuring you to start thinking about school already. Well, yeah, because they gotta hurry up and get this stuff out of the way so they can put the Christmas Christmas decorations out. Christmas decorations, that's right. All right, so we are going to cover kind of three main areas today of back to school when it comes to learning disabilities. We could spend all years talking about all the back to school preparedness, but we're gonna focus on 
learning disabilities and receiving support services. So we're going to talk about if you've already been receiving them, like you or your student were receiving them in the spring and you're just continuing on this year, or if you have been newly diagnosed or your child's been newly diagnosed since school ended and you're starting new support services in the fall. Mm -hmm. And then finally, we're going to talk about what's going to happen when you go to college this fall. So I'm going to let Abby start with reviewing some really important information about if you've already been receiving services or your child this past spring. Okay. So um, in order to help prepare for school, I think one of the most important things is to make sure you have a current copy of your plan or your student's plan, whether that be a 504 plan or an IEP, an individualized education plan, make sure you have a current copy, the most current copy. At some point last school year, the plan was probably reviewed and it may have been amended or revised or whatever. So make sure you have a copy of that plan and you know what's in it. And it's also make sure that you don't need to make any changes. Have things changed, for example, over the summer? Has your student started struggling in an area they didn't struggle in before? Or have they made progress in areas and maybe no longer need a certain type of accommodation or support? Did they go through a dyslexia therapy program? Did they do remediation and tutoring? Occupational therapy. Occupational therapy. therapy. Vision, speech therapy. Have they gained new skills? Because if you feel like they're services and supports need to change, then you can contact the school and schedule a meeting, whether it be an IEP team meeting or a 504 meeting, to revise the student accommodation plan, that individual accommodation plan. And here's the thing. Last last year, services were wanky, right? Yes. We were COVID. It was a weird it year. It was a weird year. A lot of kids didn't probably get the services that they needed. So, you may be looking at things the other direction too, right? Like That's right. we were doing fine until last year, but because we didn't get the support we needed, now we're struggling in this area too. Mm-hmm. So we need to address that. Right. You might need more support than you've needed previously. Right. So, And it's okay. We just got to make sure we address it. That's right. Exactly. So you can send a copy of that plan to the new teachers. Once you find out your students or your teachers or course instructors, you can send them a copy of your individual accommodation plan or your IEP plan and just make sure they're going to get that at some point once school starts. But sometimes it takes a few days or even a week or two for those to be distributed to new teachers. And usually they're put in the teacher's mailbox yes. with a bazillion other things a for the beginning of the year. Papers. And so and the, 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 for the IEP, be specific so not the whole thing not the right. whole 700 pages of no. it I think from the IEP um, oftentimes the IEP document is usually about 20 to 30 pages and it includes a description of present levels of academic achievement and functional performance it includes all different Topics about services, supports, graduation plans. Some, um, some relevant. Some, some relevant, not. right. The most important pieces of an IEP to send to teachers would be the accommodation pages that list all the accommodations you or your student receives and the schedule of services that outlines the services they receive. For example, if they're in special education and they receive, say, speech therapy 30 minutes twice a week or they go to the resource room for support every day for 45 minutes or twice a week for 
30 minutes, whatever it be. I think the accommodations and the schedule services are the most important pages to send to the teachers from that IEP, along with the um, state testing accommodations section that outlines those accommodations that the, it has been agreed upon that your student is going to be able to receive on state testing because you want to ensure that they're receiving those accommodations throughout the school year and for tests, just regular six weeks, nine weeks tests or benchmark tests in order to be able to receive those accommodations for state testing. So send those appropriate documents to the teachers when you find out who those new teachers are. Additionally, it's a great way to introduce yourself and open up that line of communication to show this is me and I'm going to be communicating with you often. (laughs) This is my student. This is my student. Little Johnny or little Lori has a learning disability in this area or has ADHD. These are the types of supports he or she needs. Um, This is the type of environment he thrives on. This is the type of structure he needs to be successful. He does best sitting next to this type of student or sitting away from this type of student. Teachers appreciate that information they don't know these kids they've got 20 to 30 new little bodies coming into their room and they don't know any of these kids unless you they've had a sibling but you know chances are good they don't know them right so any little bit of information like that I love that kind of extra information that's not maybe in your 504 plan or your IEP exactly I love to know that information too about my students and before school starts is when they're going through a lot of in-service training and different meetings they're not spending a ton of time setting up their classroom and looking at paperwork for their upcoming students but they will get time to prepare for those students and even arranging desks and their the layout of their classroom um, knowing the types of students you're going to be having in your classroom can help kind of drive the way you structure your classroom schedule the way you set up that physical environment even so the more information you can share with the teacher about you within your special needs or different learning challenges or your student can be really helpful to the teacher. And maybe also review some of what worked and what didn't work the year before. Now, obviously, again, this year, last year was weird. Everyone's going to say, well, online school didn't work for us. Right. But, you know, in another, and in, 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 if you did go to in, in-person school or in another year, you know, giving them some information about like, hey, this is kind of what we did last year. It seemed to be really, it worked really well. We saw lots of success. Um, maybe talk to that teacher about it. You know, maybe you might want to connect with his fourth grade teacher and just get some more information from her. But again, more information, the better. Absolutely. I agree. Um, And then make sure that your student actually knows about their own difficulties and their own accommodations that they have in their accommodation plan because it's important for them to learn to advocate for their own needs to be able to say mrs so-and-so i'm supposed to go to the testing center for my test or a small group setting or i'm supposed to get the test read to me or i'm supposed to get extra time for my i need a copy of those notes i need a copy of those notes exactly i need frequent breaks i need to take a break right now so it is important for you to have um to know all about your own needs and your accommodations that are in your plan as well as your students. So that's important. And for those younger kiddos, I think that, you know, sometimes parents don't want their students, their children to know that they have a learning disability. And at a very young age, it might be hard for them to understand and they can't grasp that you are bright, you just learn differently. But 
past, you know, I would say second grade, third grade, I think it's perfectly okay to explain to your child, you have a brain that just learns a little bit differently. You're very smart, you're very capable, you just need a little bit of support to help level the playing field and make things fair and equal for you. I totally agree. And I feel like it's almost a disservice by not sharing that information because it doesn't allow them to advocate for themselves for for those accommodations. And so if they are just sitting there and they don't know that they should be getting something and the teacher misses it, then they're not being provided the opportunity to show what they know and give their very best effort. So That's right. I think it's important for them. We all have things we advocate for. You know, it doesn't necessarily always end up in a plan, but even as an adult, we have things we advocate for. So I think it's important to be okay stating your needs. So with all of the scenarios we're going to talk about today, I think it's important for the student to be aware of their accommodations and be okay asking for them. Mm-hmm. I think so too. At be any age, with it. be comfortable with that. That's right. So those are pretty much the most important pieces. If you're already, if you've already been receiving services under special education or 504 in preparing for the school year and getting ready you for have a plan. those supports, have and a plan. And you're just just reiterating it with the school exactly making sure everyone has a current copy or that they're not there doesn't need to be any changes made if you feel like back to that for a moment if you do feel like things need to be looked at again you have every right as a parent or if you're over 18 to say i want to review my accommodation plan and let's look at it and talk about what i might need please make some for changes, this upcoming yeah. year exactly you want it to be the most appropriate absolutely Okay, so if you are had just been diagnosed since school got out or towards the end of the school year and the school really hadn't put a plan in place, things are going to look a little bit different because you're not going to have that plan then to share. So what you really, the, the very most important thing that we tell parents when we, when we do testing over the summer is that probably now or within the next week or two, staff's back on campus. Mm-hmm. They're there. They're working, right. especially the administrative staff, which mm-hmm. is who you're going to need to contact. So usually 98% of the time it's the school counselor. Mm-hmm. So you want to go ahead right now, if you haven't already, and send that school counselor an email and say, hey, we had some testing done. It, lo- it turns out that Johnny, you know, has ADHD and we'd like to set up a time to meet to put together an accommodation plan under 504. Or we, f- we feel like maybe he might need special education. We need to get that ball rolling. You want to get that going as soon as possible mm-hmm. because Absolutely. once school starts, it takes forever. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> at the true. beginning of the year, you got kids moving in from other cities, and right. there's all kinds of stuff happening. So to get those, you don't want it. You don't want it to be October before they're getting any kind of support. Right. So you want to get that in now. See if you can even meet before school starts. That would be ideal. To get your plan put together, so that when your child or when you show up on the very first day of school. It's there. It's Mm -hmm. done. And that is feasible. Like you said, staff, administrative staff are back even well before the teachers come back. So if you contact the school, the school counselor, and make it known in writing that you're requesting a meeting to occur as soon as possible so that little Johnny does have a good plan in place on the first day of school when he steps foot on that campus, when he steps foot in those new classes, they can do everything in their power to make that happen. It's also important too though, you'll find out teachers and schedules just like everybody else, still email those teachers and say, we don't have a formal plan in place yet, 
that. We've had this testing done. I'm waiting for our meeting to happen. Here are some things I'd like you to be aware of in the interim, you know, until we get that going. Mm -hmm. It is still okay, again, to share that same level of information with the teacher um, or teachers. Right. And, and let them know that you're happy to answer any questions that they have about it or um, usually the report, the, di the diagnosis report that you have has a, a page with a com you know, recommendations. Maybe share that page with the teachers until you have a formal plan. But you definitely want to co – communication, I think, is going to be our biggest key for Absolutely. all of these today. It's just it, you can't give them too much information. Be that – naggy parent it's mm -hmm. your it's your child it's Absolutely. there you want their school year to get off to the very best start ever so really and that good communication is is key to success between home and school and so let them know that you're going to be a parent that you're open to communication and you want that open communication back and, and forth and again make sure that your student understands their accommodations and that they know the kinds of things that they're going to need. They understand their challenges and their strengths too, right? Sure. But but why they're going to need some of the support so that they can be a part of that conversation as well. So it really isn't all that much different than if you already had services last year other than you just don't have a plan to share. Right. You're, you're still right. working on making one. Exactly. But, but don't let them drag it out. Mm -hmm. Don't let them drag it out, exactly. And also, you know, you want to communicate regularly with the teachers about ongoing progress throughout the school year. Um, whether you have a new diagnosis and you're just starting to receive support services or you have existing support services in place, I think it is important for parents to communicate regularly with the teacher about the student's progress rather than waiting until you get that report card and you find out that little Johnny is failing a class or you get the progress report halfway through the nine week grading period and you find out there's six missing assignments <laughs> and then it's overwhelming to try to catch up and complete those assignments and you're having to do it at home as 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 current work is still coming home and new skills are being taught every day and that is another really great thing to think about find out if you're not familiar with the online system for the school. Where do they post grades? Where do they post assignments? How, where's the teacher's website? All that kind of mm -hmm. stuff that your school offers. Every school right now is posting something online. And we all know that some teachers are great about getting it out there, you know, very efficiently and quickly. Others are not. So if you're noticing a grade hasn't posted, you know, making sure you email that teacher, but you've got to know where to find that stuff, where to find That's the true. syllabus. You know, it's really easy for us to keep up with our kids these days because everything's online. I can go online at any time and see what my child has due, what's missing, when the test is. Mm -hmm. And while I'm not going to do that forever, up to a certain point, it's totally okay to help support them that way. So mm -hmm. start familiarizing yourself, if you haven't already, with what's out there, what your school offers, and how they get that information out some there. Of, some of those student management systems even have alerts where the parent can get an alert that, hey, a grade has posted, or hey, there's a failing grade, or hey, there are missing assignments. Can I just tell you how glad I'm, we didn't have this kind of stuff I, in school? No, I am so glad. I mean, it probably would have benefited me, and I'm I would sure have done have. better, but I am glad as well. well. My parents didn't really know mm. what all was going I on I was still daily. intercepting the mail for the report card. Right, exactly. <laughs> but anyway. So now let's talk about... Um, the transition from high school to college for, for students with learning disabilities. If you're just starting out college, what are some things 
Lori, that you think would be crucial to do over the summer before school starts? Most universities aren't starting till the end of August, right. mid-August to the end of August. So there's time to prepare for starting college. So if you have not already contacted Disability Services, that is the absolute first thing you do. And here's the thing. If you've got a student that has a learning disability of any kind, and even if they didn't really use a lot of accommodations in high school, put them in place in college. Absolutely. College is a different beast. The expectations are different. The workload and the demands are different. Mm -hmm. You know, I tell students all the time, you may only have one class that you want this one particular accommodation for, but you'll be really glad you have it. Absolutely. So reaching out to Disability Services, which is the name of the office on 98% of the campuses, Mm -hmm. Disability Services, Disability Support, Student Access Services, Mm -hmm. somewhere in that ballpark, um, and try to get in and meet with them before school starts. It's it's going to be sending them a copy of your documentation of your disability. Sometimes they want to see what you got had in high school, if you had anything in high school. But if you didn't have anything in high school, that's okay. Mm-hmm. They'll still accommodate you. And I think that's the best part about college is that it doesn't matter what happened in the past. Right. If you have documentation of a disability and it shows that you would benefit from these accommodations, you're going to get them. Yes. So put them in place. It, it, it can't hurt, and, and you don't have to use them for every class, mm-hmm. but they're there. So that's number one, is to get in contact with them, set up an appointment, get your documentation over to them. They're busy. There's a lot of kids there mm-hmm. um, that, are, that are using these services. So you may not get an appointment before school starts if, if you're already at a place where you haven't contacted them. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell parents during orientation is the time to do it. When you go for orientation, Definitely. you set up that time and you're done. But if you've missed that, then now is the time to call. And I was going to add, too, that it would be really beneficial for the student and it would look really good for the universe to, to the university and to those that are going to be working with your student if the student is the person that initiates that contact with disability services rather than the parent Absolutely. because they're now their own advocate for their own needs they're the person that's going to share their disability documentation that's going to talk about what they need as far as accommodations and the school is going to want to work with the student Oftentimes they won't talk to the parent because of the fact that the child is now an adult. Exactly. Once you're over 18, you're an adult. They have to sign permission to allow the parent access to any of that information, which is crazy to me, but it's how it works. So Mm -hmm. yes, encourage your student to make that appointment and start that ball rolling. Here's the thing about college, though, that I think most the transition is where it is the hardest, is that in high school... You've got mom and dad that are keeping up with things. You've got a case manager. You've got all your teachers have a plan. Everybody's on the same page. Mm-hmm. Lots of reminders. Oh, don't forget, you get your test in the, you know, I'm sending your test down to the learning lab. And getting in college, nobody does that. Right. If you don't use it, you, lo- you, you, you nobody else cares. Nobody's right. going to chase you down to make sure that you remember where your test is or that you get this copy of notes. So this is where the learning how to be an advocate for yourself really comes into play it's so important because we've seen students that we've sent off with accommodations and they don't use them right and they struggle and they struggle exactly so and and there's it's a big transition to going from having being surrounded and and held up by a whole support system to being out there on your own with less structure less support less reminders mom and dad aren't there now there's you might be living in the dorm there's a lot of distractions right around you there's a lot of um 
easily accessible distractors right. like friends and parties and, and right. fraternity and sorority functions and different things. And no one's even making you go to class. So that in itself can cause challenges when you're in school. And if right. you have a learning disability, um, you, you're going to need those supports and you want them to be in place I before you start. I think the other thing that we see a lot with the kids that, that come back after their first semester or first year is that you forget that in high school you have homework every day. There's all these daily grades. So you can bomb a test mm -hmm. and still really do well in a class. Whereas in college, you have maybe like a paper and a midterm and a final and maybe a project. There might be four or five grades that make up your entire grade for that class. That's a good point. So the studying is so much different and the time and effort you put into all of those things is so much different than just doing a homework assignment and getting a completion grade a 100 and now you've got a 100 daily grade exactly doesn't happen in college well and also with studying you know when i was in school a lot of times when i was in high school i could study the night before a test and do well on the test because i was able to remember it now i don't know if i retained it for several weeks or months after but i was able to retain that information do well on the test like you said, the level of the rigor of the curriculum, the level of reading, the level of the tests and they just amount in college is so much higher. And so you're going to find a lot of times there are students that were able to get by in high school and middle school with barely studying at all. Easy breezy, just sitting in class, taking it all in and they can do well on tests. And that is a big shocker when they get to college because you know, that might not be the case. So start planning out um, an organizational system for planning ahead. Once you get your syllabus or those syllabi and you know when you have upcoming tests, put them on a calendar and then backtrack. Plan if it's the test is next Thursday or the third Thursday of the month. Put some things on the calendar for study for this test. Again, study for this test. Review notes for this right, geography right. test. And so, you know, encourage your student or if you are an, a college student, make sure you have a really good organizational system in place, whether it be a, pa a paper planner, a digital planner, works. using your, your tools that are available on your smartphone. Um, that's something, too, that you can do to prepare for colleges. Make sure you have really good organizational systems that you can use. If you don't, if these are not your gift, your child's gift, your gift as a parent, your gift as a student, then employ somebody that can help you because this is the key to your success. Mm -hmm. And so find someone who can help you now lay out some strategies so that you can walk in day one and you've got a plan. Yeah. You've, got, you've got a system. I, I do believe that's probably the hardest of just knowing when to study what and how to use your time. And because you have all of a sudden so much time, yes. it, it feels really good to it not is. have to go to class all day. And it's sometimes harder to manage time when you have... Um, less filling less it. Less filling it, yeah. <laughs> and they might have a schedule where they have a class in the morning and then they may not have a class again until 11.30 or 12.30 or 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So it's easy to think I'm going to come home and relax and watch TV and work out and do things. Right, going out with friends. You know, go. They have to get into a, a routine of really establishing. Okay, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, in between classes, I'm going to study. I'm going to go to the library. Right. That's another thing. In addition to the organizational systems, I think it's important to 
for college students, incoming college students for sure, but all college students, to already figure out where's going to be your best study area. Absolutely. You know, for me, I didn't do well at home because there was distractions. There was things I could find drawers to clean out. I had Anything. a roommate there. Yeah. I had dorm mates, suite mates, but I, I did best in the library or in a coffee shop. So wherever it may be for you, try to find and designate what is going to be your perfect Absolutely. study area, a quiet area with minimal distraction, somewhere where you know you're going to do best and start using that area and getting comfortable with that area. The other thing, too, is to figure out what all does your school offer, right? Mm-hmm. Disability Services is going to offer you some some accommodations, some more services than other. But then the university as a whole have has things like the writing center. That's right. And some tutoring centers. Mm-hmm. And there's, sometimes there's a math center. Yep. So find out what they have outside of just what Disability Services offers mm-hmm. that they offer to everybody. And take advantage of them when you need them. Go familiarize yourself with them. That's good. And the other thing that we did talk about with the other two scenarios, but with this one most importantly, is that go talk to your professors or your instructors. Mm -hmm. Go talk to them after the first class. Go set up a time. Find out when their office hours are. Introduce yourself. Tell them that you have an accommodation plan, that these are your accommodations that you're getting and that you just, you know, you're, you're here to work hard and, you know, be, make them familiar. Make them know who you are. They see a bazillion kids. They do. Um, and mm-hmm. students. And so make sure they know who you are. And, and because that, to me, I think also when you when it comes to the end of the semester and your grade is teetering mm-hmm. on, a, on a hump, you know, if they know you and they know you've been in class every day, they know your face and they know that you've been taking advantage of those accommodations, mm-hmm. then, you know, that could help. You've shown initiative. Yeah. You've shown you care. That could help. That can push you over that hump into the higher grading. Absolutely. Higher so grades. Whatever you got to do. Level, hopefully. Right? Whatever you gotta Absolutely. Do. But definitely, you know, knowing what all the school has to offer, what all the what all supports are available to not just kids with disabilities, but everybody. To all students. Yeah. That's a good point because a lot of schools do have a lot of different supports in the, in place. And, you know, a lot of libraries, I found out throughout graduate school, unfortunately, I didn't know this during my undergraduate time, but the libraries also have small private rooms oh, yeah. that you can reserve. So I might, do, might not have done well sitting in the middle of the library in the work area, but in a private room that I could reserve with a whiteboard. With a whiteboard, I could spread out all of my different materials, my notes, my teacher notes, my own notes, my textbook, some research articles, my everything I needed, my timer, my <laughs> highlighters, my colored pens, everything that all I used. All of your supplies. All of my no supplies. there. <laughs> I loved all my office supplies. But yeah, that's another good thing to know is that the library is chock full of good resources. And I feel like now we are in such a non-library age. You know, we everyone are. just look, you just look online, all, everything you need. So nobody's going to the library no one, to really do the research like we used to have to do. Exactly. But it is a great place to study. High school students are not used to going to the library no. for sure nowadays. But once you get to college, it's a it's a good resource for you. So as we get ready for back to school, taking advantage of all the services your school offers, whether you're in elementary, middle, high school or college, graduate school, doctorate level, mm-hmm. they're there. The services are there. You just have to know how to access them. You want to access them early. Mm-hmm, for sure. And get, get something put in place. And then commun- I think really, again, just to reiterate communication, communicating with teachers, with your student, 
with your professors, with the people at disability services, with your case manager, just keeping those lines of communication open right. to when something um, is working, isn't working, progress updates. It's okay to communicate. Mm-hmm. It, you can never communicate too much, I don't I, think. I would agree. I think it's crucial. So hopefully this helps everybody kind of get a little bit of a jump start. Schools should be starting here in the next couple of weeks by the time this episode Definitely. releases. So we're going to be really in the throes of back to school. They'll already have everything clearanced at the store by then. I know. It's so <laughs> crazy to think about. It moves so fast. If you guys have any questions, don't hesitate to email us. Let's talk learning disability at gmail.com. Or if you just have some suggestions for upcoming episodes that you'd like to hear, we'd love to have some feedback. We have a Facebook group called Let's Talk Learning Disabilities. Have we ever told talked about that? I'm not sure if we have or yeah, not. Yeah, we do. We have I a Facebook group. We, we kind of did it backwards we did the facebook group and turned it into a podcast instead of the podcast to the facebook group right. but whatever come join us it's fun we post some neat stuff and have some really good discussions in there as well there are great resources and articles in there and videos and links to the podcast and even videos of us doing our podcast if you're ever interested. That super exciting yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's on facebook let's talk learning disability and i think we're lining up some really fun stuff for the fall so we should have some good um good podcasts we've got some great guests coming in great guests so i'm excited about it so you guys go have a great day oh and don't forget about our youtube channel so we have a youtube channel too that has all of the podcast videos with our we also have some facebook live videos Mm -hmm. that are out there so those are kind of fun too we just did one last week about myth busters so we busted some myths about learning Learning disabilities so check it out so you guys enjoy the rest of your summer we'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode thanks for joining us today yeah thanks for listening you come back and let's talk learning disabilities bye guys bye Thank you so much for joining us today. In our show notes, you can find information about today's talk, as well as links to resources and other episodes. If you have questions about today's talk, have ideas for future episodes, or just want to stay connected, you can contact us through Diagnostic Learning Services on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So let's keep talking learning disabilities. This podcast is sponsored by eDiagnostic Learning. You can find more information at www.ediagnosticlearning.com.